Welcome to the era where Brad Rencher, CEO of Bamboo HR, asked the question, does putting employees first really lead to better business outcomes? We think we know the answer, but let's dig in and find out. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the next episode of The Era, where we really go deep into this premise and this hypothesis that the employee experience is really the key driver of business outcomes and ultimately business success. And this conversation that I think the pandemic helped us, helped accelerate is really dominating the conversation um, at an executive level of businesses of all sizes. Um, at the boardroom, as, um, as people grapple with what does the future of work look like, what happens in, in different economic cycles, and it's just an exciting time to be engaged in this conversation. Thank you for joining us and continuing in this dialogue with us. We are so excited today to welcome Dr. Jim Fang, um, who is the founder of several businesses in the health and wellness field, most recently Fixable which is a physical therapy platform using connectivity, augmented reality, and some smart decisioning and tools to help change and improve physical therapy without needing to be in person, to get access to, to quality care and to get people right. Um, and yeah, I love the work that, uh, that Dr. Jim is doing and really across all of his work as a licensed chiropractor and strength and conditioning coach. He's worked on medical teams at world championship at Olympic level events, including MMA and wrestling. So don't mess with him. Um, but the amazing thing in all of his work, um, wellness and health are really front and center. Um, it's really, um, as we, as I mentioned earlier, this is really a topic that everyone's talking about wellness. And with Jim, you really get wellness with a mix of digital transformation. How is technology changing care? And how is it disrupting the paradigms that's happened in health and wellness that our employees are grappling with and business models for companies? So it's a super fun intersection of, of technology and health and wellness that this will be should be a great conversation. Jim, welcome. Thank you so much for joining us today. Brad, thank you so much for having me on. What an introduction. <laughs> I do not deserve half of that. <laughs> Well, it, it's, it's all the road that you're traveling and that you continue to travel. And what an important, you know, um, conversation. And you think about the journey, your journey, um, you know, you've been involved in startups and health and wellness. And, you know, it's, it seems to be the passion of your professional life and maybe your personal life, too. Um, but what, what really sparked your interest in, in health care and health and wellness? Yeah, I think it goes back way back when I think, you know, for me, especially in the rehab field and, you know, feeling good and pain free, um, I lived with pain all my life. And uh, I was a wrestler. I, I wrestled for about, I guess, 15, 16 years uh, at the varsity level, national level. And uh, I've lived through I, I lived through every injury. <laughs> so and, you know, back in the day, we didn't have a really good coverage for rehab and, you know, getting back to cure. And I remember, you know, sitting in clinics and seeing the good therapy therapists out there and the bad therapists out there and what's really required to stay healthy and, and, and better. And I wish I had some of the knowledge we have now to, you know, sustain and, and maintain and prevent these injuries from uh, occurring. Um, so that's kind of what sparked my own journey uh, in regards to pain. And I think that's one of the reasons why I got into strength and conditioning very early on. Um, 
and then also into uh, into chiropractic, sports-based chiropractics and and acupuncture and all sorts of therapies and moving patterns and 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 just uh, you know and and being a practice for the last fifteen years, um, we built integrated clinics uh, with multiple different practitioners. So I, we know that model works, and we worked on high-performance athletes, and they want to get better. So we know that if your intention is there and you, the and the solution is there for you, you're doing it to spec then you should be getting better and sustaining. And, and, and hopefully we built enough trust to, for you to also work on the prevention and performance. Um, but, you know, we don't see that in the, in the employee <laughs> sector, unfortunately. There's a lot more, um, I guess, uh, uh, things intertwined in their decision-making and their engagement. Um, there's a lot, you know, to play in, in Medicare as well as how the therapy and the lack of access. And, and I want to create a platform, really want to create a platform around you know, sustaining that and, and getting people better care. Right. And, you know, and, and Jim, as you, as you think about that, you mentioned a couple of things that I'd love to double click in and then, then get into the technology piece and some of the things that you're doing, but let's just talk about pain for a minute. You mentioned that, like, what is the research behind what percentage of the population is dealing with some level of, of chronic pain that's impacting their ability to be well, right? The, the stats are staggering. I mean, you you see the you've seen the opioid epidemic, you know, uh, in the last ten years. Um, we we also know eight out of ten people have some kind of low back pain at some point in their lives that affects their lives. Nine out of ten people over the age of sixty five have some kind of aches and pains. Um, and, and it builds on early, right? And it's a, it's a massive cost, you know, as you know, a cost of our uh, public and private systems. Uh, we spent about six hundred thirty five billion dollars on this topic yearly <laughs> across uh, across uh, the states so um i think it's a it's a big big issue and it's it's not one thing it's not a medical pill it's not just a pill it's not just a therapy i think it takes a really good biopsychosocial approach to not just getting people out of pain but understanding what it is and what type of pain is good pain and how do you how does it come on how does it go away and once you have control of that it's really empowering for that individual, right? Then you know who to see, when to see, or if you need even therapy, and you know what to do when your problem, that chronic thing keeps coming or recurrent things keep coming on. And um, thank you. I mean, it is, it is one. Um, I've, I, I had a, a, a real humbling year in 2019 to where I had kind of gone through and, and fortunately it was, it was able to kind of get through without a lot of, um, a, you know, chronic pain and, like no back pain or knees or I just hadn't had any, any, um, any issues despite, uh, you know, at least a moderately active lifestyle, but ended up having two bouts of just some chronic pain in 2019. And I was humbled. I, I literally, to get to the point where you're like, I'm willing to do pretty much anything to get rid of this. It was just a, and, and the fact that it just overcame like all my thought patterns, all my, um, you talk about wellness, I couldn't think about anything else except for pain. And for those that haven't dealt with that, it was, I have much more empathy with, for those that are dealing with that type of chronic pain now than I ever did, given that experience. Absolutely. And we see those type of people all the time. And a lot of people that you're working with uh, might be struggling with that as well, a good 20% or so. And they're just behind the doors, closed doors, suffering, right? Struggling. It doesn't have to be like that. Um, 
it, it is definitely a challenge. And, and of course, you know, when you're struggling with it, you know, seek help, make sure you're there with some, somebody to get there. Um, but, you know, it, I think it does take a really good uh, combined approach. And many, and many times when you're in pain, the last thing you want to do is move, right? And our problem is really based on movement. And it's really based on the smallest things you can possibly do to get started and progressively win along, along the way. But the last thing you want to do is move. Like old school way of thinking about this is really go to bed, chill out, you know, do nothing. Here's some pain meds and, you know, sleep it off. That's like the, probably the worst thing you can possibly do. <laughs> Your body's atrophying, you're stabilizing muscles, going to crap and, and you're literally just getting worse. Right. And then once you do feel a little better, the inflammation dies down, then now you have this functional issue where your body patterns have changed. So we always, you have to start with some modification of movement. And that's the key thing I think to start with. Well, um, well, Jim, thanks for, I, I think that's a great, um, I think, bridge to say, okay, no matter where you are and as an individual and from how you're doing with wellness, um, let's start from where you are. But the same thing you think about these business leaders listening to the podcast and saying, hey, what do I do from where I am here in wellness and offering wellness to my employees and getting into that employee experience? And I think about what's happening. The pandemic kind of changed some of uh, people's perspectives on a uh, relative to online healthcare services because you couldn't get to the doctor or you couldn't see the doctor. And so whether it's telehealth or online health or different platforms, it seems like that transformation in healthcare, it's accelerated everything. So the question, but you were ahead of this in terms of being really technology forward in your recent startups, whether that's Fixable or Startup Health or other businesses that you've been engaged with. Like why, what, what was it that you said, we, there might be a different or better way to do this? I think one of the key uh, stats for us was we know that seven out of 10 people, like 70% of patients that actually start a, even a rehab program, they drop off their treatment plans before they're actually discharged. So before you're fully better, you're, you're dropping off either because of time or money, right? So you got to get back to work you got to get going and you feel a little bit better. And then you, you know, you start doing your regular stuff. And then a couple months later, <laughs> reoccurrence rate, right? So we really wanted to, you know, create a platform where we're able to really engage that individual, utilizing the same you know, psychology tools, Facebook and Instagram makes you, you know, infinity scroll to death. <laughs> we want to use the same tools to kind of work towards better health, right? And and prevent, I really came in this game for prevention, but prevention is really hard because you can probably think back to your situation, you know, where you're in chronic pain. Once you're out of that pain, are you thinking back to that problem? The last thing you want to think about is that problem, right? But especially if somebody never told you, hey, if you do this, X, Y, and Z, and this hits you a couple times over the head, if you do X, Y, and Z, you can prevent this from happening within, a, you know, significantly lower your chances of happening again. So we really want to create better engagement um, within people for, for better health and movement. And then so they can do the things they love and they're not inhibited, right? So, um, yeah, I think digital health has been, a, there's been a massive boom in, over the pandemic for obvious reasons. We started back in, we really launched back in 2017 um, before the pandemic and, and we really, you know, hit certain populations like rural populations, uh, certain individuals who, can't, who are not ambulatory, who are not mobile, can't get to a clinical practice. So we started there and then we started, you know, driving uh, real traction there because 
people are, you know, it takes like two and a half hours per session, nine sessions on average, nine sessions leading to 7% drop off, right? So we, we, it's definitely a problem. So, you know, a lot of time wasted, a lot of employer dollars spent, you know, days uh, away from work. So, um, and uh, we really want to uh, help with that. Uh, I think with that thought process you know, when patients are coming in and then number two, ease of access for a lot of the guys I see, like they really wait until the last minute when something's really bad, right? Until they come in. So it's really important to catch it, kind of catch it early. And with good, like now we do like functional movement screens. So we actually watch you move, right? So we can pick out certain things that you're doing or not doing correctly. So if you go into a squat, for, for instance, your knees are kind of caving in. We know those glute knees on the side of the hips are not working properly. So if you're not aligning your knee properly, you're doing this as you squat, you're moving undulated in and out. And as you squat, then you're more likely to have more degenerative changes inside that knee, right? So those are the things we can catch really early on. And the beautiful part about some of the employees that uh, employers that we're working with, we're implementing those programs now, and it's fun for people. So it gets especially it gets people moving. Number one, and we can implement it so it's quick little breaks throughout the day, and you're feeling good, and get these reminders to move. So your encephalons are building, your endorphins are feeling good. You you're not you know after lunch you're not getting that itis and just falling asleep. You're, it's kind of built into your day. So throughout the year, throughout the day, not only are you working on these things, but you're also feeling good, right? So I think um, the the really um, good employees, and of course, employers who have a MSK muscle skeletal issue in their workforce and, you know, a mental health issue in the workforce are the, the first takers here. And, uh, and uh, you know, driving those programs with better engagement along the way is really important. And it really needs that I think a, a stronghold on like when you start the program, there needs to be a lot of engagement. So we start with a, a wellness talk on the topic of your choice. So for some of the tech companies where, yeah, we're, on tech companies, we're actually doing more of like uh, recently we've been doing uh, the morning routine. Like what is your morning routine? How do we amplify, uh, how we do this? And then after those sessions, individually, they, they get one-on-one sessions or one-on-many sessions to kind of correct your morning routines, things like ergonomics and how do you set up your desk properly, posture, um, yeah, and we can do it at a fraction of the price because it's all digital. I don't have to travel, right? And we can do one on many. And then now we can implement programming and send it directly to the phone and then it pings in the right time to do the right thing. So I think because we're able to scale that way, it can really lower the cost and then also prevent, you know, we have really good ROIs on, you know, surgery, surgeries um, prevented as well as um, just NPS scores and also just medication that they actually need to take. And so, so this... This technology revolution in 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 health and wellness. I mean, do you feel like we're making progress? Is it a is it a positive thing as it relates to the, what's being delivered to employees? Yeah, no, that's that's great. Um, and the answer is yes. And you know, health. I guess uh, the Web two point um, for the last I guess ten years or so. You know, when it comes to healthcare, there's a lot of red tape. Right. So there's tons of red tape around it and it takes a long time for the healthcare system to move um, politically or within the system, you know, because, you know, liabilities and, and what have you. So when it comes to technology, healthcare is one of the industries that come last. And I think the trigger really was the pandemic and 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 really triggered our society to say, hey, what are some better ways we can deliver healthcare and also uh, potentially work on uh, creating better humans, and how do we even lower the cost to you know it's bar- and barriers to entry so we can catch things a lot earlier. So there's so much more funding going to healthcare right now and digital tech. Some are 
Um, I know, I know as we speak today, you know, the NASDAQ's not in a great place, but, <laughs> but a lot of the companies that really needed the funding to, to, to really bridge the gap and get their you know, technology through, through, through FDA and uh, they're really getting it done. There's really some really cool companies coming out with some really cool stuff that's going to on the preventative care side of things. And I'm super excited. And one of my topic points of, and one of the things I go down really deep is longevity. Um, so, in, and this is part of, I think the, the bigger picture for me for longevity, uh, the physical health, but there's so many things coming out. Um, I'm really excited for what my, I guess, how long I can live to and and uh, my goal is to live to like 110 and just die in my sleep <laughs> so I want to feel good until then <laughs> so really excited about what's happening coming through the pipeline so that's that's your life plan yeah. is 110 cool, okay we'll, we'll, uh, <laughs> we'll capture that here um so um I guess the so it sounds like we're making progress there's some things there how from from fixable from an employer standpoint from you know an employee you know yourself like how how is your work in in chiropractic and acupuncture in strength and conditioning in coaching how has that influenced your philosophy on employee wellness that no great question um i think i come from many uh realms of therapy so what really intrigued me uh growing up and having my injuries is really to figure out what really works right because you go to you know chiropractor A, physiotherapy B, you go to occupational therapy, you got a um, osteopath, they all kind of have different philosophies and, and what works and what doesn't work. But I think ultimately, you know, for me, it's the evidence led, like, show me research, show me that this actually works in not just end of one, but end of tens of thousands of million people, and then now formulate it. And then, you know, show me the results. And then give it to more people, right? And then from those people, can we now take that data and start tweaking and create even better formulations, right? Either through movement, exercise, self-mobilization, stabilization, ice, heat, um, you know, uh, intermittent fasting, right? For inflammatory control, right? So how can we add those little tidbits together where all these little tiny tools where now it becomes a larger output for that human to feel good and stay good, right? So that's what really interests me. And we're always doing research and all of our programming on there are, you know, evidence-led um, with hundreds of pieces of research behind it. Uh, we also have, we can customize it programming as well if we need to, right, for those individuals. And in the future, you know, the system will just customize on its own using artificial intelligence. Um, so I think when it comes down to technology, um, implementing having i think it takes iterations over over time and uh and and i think it can do a um, as good job and assist the practitioner along the way and take away some of the mundane things that we don't want to do as well right so checking for updates on pain levels so like remote monitoring those individuals like paying those information they're doing their exercise and movements how are they progressing do they know they're progressing right and what is the next step and how do you tie it to maybe even vanity and what they want versus what they need right so tie some of that vanity to, to actually engage them to make sure they're fully engaged to not just get out of pain but work on prevention and human performance <laughs> so it it you know it's interesting as you think about like the philosophies you know um there and let me ask you a question one of the one of the things that a lot of people think about is there's this there's this in wellness there's this um, people feel like oh I always have to be in balance with my work and my life 
And it feels like we're maybe adding little weights here to try to maintain that balance. How do you think just generally about work-life balance? It does differ. And I think, um, again, I'm anyone. So I think a little bit differently. I'm an, I'm an immigrant Asian man. I came here when I was eight years old. My dad first came, you know, a year before us and lived in a subway station with 200 bucks in his pocket, started washing dishes in Chinatown. Right. So I came here, I lived in a room, not bigger than this basement room here <laughs> and with both of my parents. And I slept on two chairs for the first couple of years of my life. So I've lived through crap <laughs> and, uh, you know, growing up in, in wrestling, I think I just maybe attract, attracted to pain and you've been in startups, you know, that's uh, very painful as well in the beginning. Um, so, you know, I, I really relish in, in, in uh, challenges. So uh, I'm really, uh, you know, put a challenge in front of me, I will solve for it. Right. And I will keep pushing hard and find new ways to look for a solution to win. Right. So I'm a little bit different. Um, and then I work with a lot of people where um, they maybe didn't have that push or maybe they had um, uh, maybe a lot easier growing up and didn't have some of those resiliency and, and tools, right, to uh, to support them and either mentally or physically. So uh, so we, there's definitely a spectrum of people. But but what I think really works for people is that mental health is, is a huge problem right now. We know that it's, it's a growing problem due to the pandemic and, you know, social interaction. Um, but in order to build that ceiling of resilience, one of the easiest way, the, the easiest way I would say is to start moving, right? It could be simple. It doesn't have to be an exercise. Don't call it exercise that word, but um, it could be small as small as even five minutes of movement. Super easy. Going for a walk, right? Go next meeting, jump on a phone with your with your client or with your uh, coworker and, and do that. And it gets easier and easier and easier. And the good thing about um, exercise movement is that it drives endorphins and kethlon. So those natural morphine, those natural um, hormones that create energy, right? And it's all about energy and level of energy. So if you're able to create that level of energy and now you're able to raise the bar and your ceiling, now you have a greater level, you know, uh, of resilience and you have a lot more ability to uh, be more resilient and be able to, you know, attend to some of the issues that you, maybe you don't have control of. You have control of the physical self, right? Uh, even people in, in, in chronic pain uh, with some motivation and with some, you know, first steps to, to be able to do. Once you get that little inkling, that little win, get that little hit of that dopamine, the next step is X, right? Next step is Y. Next step is, you know, maybe you're running your first 500 meters, um, that's a, that's a whole nother story. <laughs> it's interesting as you think about, you think about, um, I listen to your, your impassioned plea to just get each one of us as individuals to get moving. And then I hear the impassioned plea for, if you want to prevent, um, um, sickness, you want to prevent, um, people being out of the office for different things. If you want to have the, you know, a great employee experience, let's get your people moving like, and, you know, and how do you start to prevent and some of the things that you can do there? I think as you step back, how do you define you, Jim, how do you define a great employee experience? Like, what is that ideal for you? Yeah. If I feel like crap at work, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm not going to be able to perform period at the end of the day. My, you can't output and it's really going to be difficult for you to, you know, add value, you know, at work. So, you know, 
as an employee, you know, in the past, as well as my employees, I just want to make sure they are having a great experience. So we're there to support them and either through, you know, benefits or either through service or, you know, creating an environment that really enhances their their overall you know, biopsychosocial wellness is, I think, a really good place. So we're we're putting our, I guess, our foot forward, and we're paying it forward. So creating those better humans at the end of the day is going to really output, at, you know, significantly. But at the end of the day, there still needs to be performance. Should be performance led, and whatever those metrics are, and those, you know, um, those north stars for you guys. Um, I think that's really important to you know dictate. There's time for work, and uh, along with you know, a lot of work. Let me give you some tools and let me give you some solutions to feel good along the way, right? And, you know, as part of your performance reviews, even, I think you should, you don't have to dive deep into, you know, health history or anything like that, which you can't really take. But I think understanding where they are, feeling how they're feeling and what support can I give you is really important, right? And then what are the tools I can provide those individuals to even look at to help them perform at a, a better state of health, right? So Jim, I love that. And I love, so what would you say to a business leader, um, an executive team, an HR team that's like, Jim, what you're saying is I believe, I believe in what you're saying. But the biggest challenge I have is we've provided a bunch of tools to our employees around health and wellness, whether that's physical health, mental health, but they're not taking advantage of it. Like, what do you see as the biggest challenge to get employees to take advantage of these resources? Yeah, no, that's great. Um, I think understanding them, just like building a product, any product, you know, design thinking is really important. Um, understanding your user, if you will, understanding the end user, what are they struggling with? What is that pain point for them, right? So it might not be the what the product is. So, you know, when we jump in and we work with a company, our first job is to really do a deep dive with the HR uh, individuals, right? The people who are leading that HR team who sees the complaints, <laughs> the bickering, the back and forth emails. And there's one theme that comes along with that. And we try to figure out what that theme is. Jim, the one of the things that I get asked a lot about by executives and HR leaders is, okay, I've tried to be really thoughtful about how to create um, mental wellness, um, physical wellness programs, even pain management for their employees, but the uptake of that might not be what they hoped for. What would you say to people as, as they're struggling maybe with the implementation of this? Yeah, that's a question we get all the time. You know, there's tons of different random tools out there to, to engage with your employees, but I think ultimately you need to understand what the main problem is uh, that you're trying to solve for. So, so if you're a healthcare company that have PSWs in the workplace and they're just getting backaches all the time, we're probably a solution. If you're maybe a tech company where you don't really have any medical spend issues, but maybe you have some mental health issues, then maybe ink blot or something might be a better solution for you. So I think taking a design approach to understanding the end user, <laughs> to understanding the individuals that you're working with day in and day out, like deep down understanding as to their why and what, uh, I think that's really important. Then you're going to figure out the how. Um, so for us, when we jump in w- with a company, we need to understand them. So we go into a, um, a company and we start really going to a, a journey mapping with the HR folks and understanding, like taking a design approach to it and, and understanding what the main problem point or what are they coming to, uh, coming to you for and 
what is the recurrent problem that keeps happening? Maybe it's not the solution they're asking for, but it's the problem that keeps happening, the end result, right? And then we go backwards from there to figure out, okay, what are the things that's actually causing these issues? It could be ergonomics. It could be just um, um, just getting burnt out, length of hours people are not working because you're working through their lunchtime and they're not, uh, they don't have the time to actually work in a move, right? Um, and if it's like, safety we've been working with a lot of healthcare workers recently because they're getting burnt out and so when you're burnt out mentally not there then you're physically not there and then when you're transporting patients you're not working on your form so um we we understand what that solution issue is and then now we're going to implement something very specific to you i think driving that engagement from externally is really important because internally yeah, programs for X, Y, and Z. You're 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 after your employees, or your relationship with your employees is a little bit different. So having external people coming in to to drive that conversation, I think it's going to be um, you're going to get a lot more engagement. And we start to we start those conversations, getting those people on the same call, or or we're going in person by really asking the employees what do you want so not what they just need but what are some things you want when it comes down to moving and, and feeling good or aging so they a lot of times you know some of the tech companies we've been working with is you know morning routine what do i do how do i even get a workout and movement in before my work hours right and how do i do do i need to like is it just one bang and that's it or is it like throughout the day what about after hours? What is the best time to gain muscle? Like those are the questions they want to know about. And intermittent fasting, that's been a hot topic as well, right? Weight loss. Those are the things that, yes, vanity, but it's still their physical health and how they feel, right? So we address those problems and under, and then we, we drive, like prevention is big for us. So we drive prevention. Here's the things you need to do at work and at home and to feel not just feel good for you and your family and, you know, day to day, but also to you know to better perform at work and feel good at work so you go home and your energy level is still significantly high and and you know as you think about the future because you're kind of at this intersection of uh, wellness and technology and how do we help these things amplify both to move us forward where do you think we're going to be five ten years from now what are we going to be talking about what's going to be implemented with employees at you know with companies no great question again um i think that I think, you know, talking to a lot of my uh, colleagues at Startup Health and, and a lot of the health tech leaders in the world, and I think I think data is going to be a, a, a big thing. Data has been, been a massive thing in the last, uh, you know, 15 years when it comes down to every other, every other industry. So when you want to know about your health and where you're at in real time, I think that's already coming. So you have blood glucose monitors, that's already there. You have, um, you know, physical checks with, like, so kind of wearables, maybe maybe more of a trend. Yeah, wearables a massive trend. You have your Apple Watch that can detect afibrillation. Many of those uh, early detection tools are, I, we call them like you know screening tools. There's a lot more coming out for hormonal stuff. We have a few companies that we're working with uh, that are doing that for like um, amenorrhea to you know uh, to many hormonal issues that uh, females deal with. So there's many uh, tools that can give you data real really quickly, really early, so you can implement things in lifestyles, you know, and also, you know, early intervention and medication that can really prevent bigger disease, right? And I think um, cancers of the past, I think also with stem cell research now and and even with stroke and also regeneration of joints and um, there, there's a lot coming in regards to regenerative medicine. I think we're going to be, we're going to have a stronghold in regards to data. I think it's a time now, especially if you're uh, in your 40s and you start to age, um, you know, in your 50s, I think it's a really good time to kind of take hold and understand your physical 
a human self. Like you need to understand yourself. You know so much about podcasting or, you know, HR, you should take a good 20% and understand your body and how it works and what you need to do on a daily basis because prevention is really the key, right? The Medicare, the Medicaid system, Medicare system right now is really disease care. It's it's just getting it to plug the problem. But the actual issue is a lot you know, it's a lot bigger and it's what you do day to day. It's also aging, right? Aging is the biggest precursor to disease. So um, I think data is going to help you uh, get there and take earlier intervention. And, you know, and as you think, of, as you think about that, like, okay, I'm an employee. How much data do I want my employer to have about my health? Like, is that like where, you know, I know there's HIPAA regulations. Like, how do you think about, how do you think about the data and the access to data you know, um, between the employee and employer kind of relationship? Uh, data relies with the patient. So at the end of the day, the patient should own their data and and we should be in control of our data. I should know what my MRI says, you know, 10 years ago and where does it compare? And then next time I go, say I'm in Toronto now, if I go to California, it's the same system that can pull up your data to support you and help you to understand exactly what you have. And with artificial intelligence, you can mix match from a medication standpoint, pharmaceuticals, what they've done, past injuries, past surgical. They should be able to pin it all together. And medical doctor, here's the things you shouldn't do and you should probably do and things to avoid, right? I think at the end of the day, data is owned by the patient. I think they're that that's really hard because, you know, back in 2010, we created the first, um, I was co-founder at one of the first um, cloud-based electronic medical records, right? And um, and it's all about interoperability, right? You got to have interoperability from one system to the next so you can people can switch and what have you. But big pharma, like they buy that data from these EMR companies and that's how they really make money. So, and they last thing you want to be is interoperable. So I think if, you know, if there's any tech, Founders out there listening right now, if you're able to really hone in on a health record that is that's owned by the patient, by the end user, by that person, and it's secure, I think that's the main key thing. I think employers should understand cohort data. You should never have specific data for that patient, nor do you want that liability. But cohort, understanding what is going on with within your population, what is going on, what is the most occurrences, what is my biggest cost in my in my benefits right like what is what am i paying for what are the and what are the upstream things i can invest in now so i can reap the rewards later as well i think that's all they what they really want to know right and then at the end of the day are your kpis like are you meeting your goals are you performing at the end of the day as a as an employee right so i think once you have that um, uh, the two uh, down i think that's really important um but in most you know most states and provinces are you can't see that private information <laughs> and a lot of private impact uh, assessments go through that as well. So I think, I think Jim, I think that makes a, makes a lot of sense. Well, so I'm just curious, you've got a wrestling background. You've, you've coached at a high level with wrestling and MMA. So do you ever jump in the octagon with your, with your athletes and still give it a go? Or have you retired from that type of environment? It's been a choppy a podcast, so maybe we have to uh, <laughs> get down. But uh, no, yeah, it's been a, I guess, you know, the sport of wrestling, I think, and, and MMA in general has been and um, uh, had a huge impact on it with me. You know, I grew up in an area that wasn't very good. Um, so, um, you know, if it wasn't my coach, my high school coach, I guess, back in the day, um, you know, who knows what I would be doing <laughs> spending my energy on. Um, so, I, but, um, you know, I, I still get out and I work out and I work out every single day just about and I, 
Yeah, you know, you know, I coach a, a local wrestling team as well. They're just getting back in the uh, getting back on the mat now uh, with COVID and everything else. But uh, it's a, it's a it's a great entry. It's a great sport, and you know, things like wrestling as well as like you know jujitsu. I think really help people focus. You know, and it's a it's an area where you can spend a lot of energy, a lot of focus, and uh, and, and control, understand your body as well. It's uh, well, look, um, Jim. Let's 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 wrap here. I just. I just want to thank um, Dr. Jim Fang for joining us. What an incredible background, just deep understanding of what's going into this kind of this, this prevention wellness um, um, challenge that we're having not only as humans, but also with companies in terms of how do we best reach out and engage? Because you really think about it, focusing on the humans and delivering employee experience um, that work for the business is good for business. That is the fundamental kind of premise that we're, we're talking about. And just a, amazing discussion today. Jim, thank you for joining us and look forward to uh, talking to you again soon. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me, Brad. It's great being here. Looking for ways to combat the great resignation and keep your very best people? Check out the 2022 Guide to Retention. You'll discover just how hard it is for organizations to retain employees in 2022, why people leave and learn what you can do to boost retention and minimize turnover in your organization. Find this guide and many more helpful resources at bamboohr.com resources and discover more ways you can do great work. That's bamboohr.com forward slash resources. You've been listening to The Era. Stay connected with us by subscribing to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you like what you've heard, please rate the show. Your feedback helps us make content that's valuable to you and your work. Thanks for listening. Until next time.